0: PodCastle, episode number 83, for December 22nd, 2009. The Petrified Girl, by Katherine Sparrow.
1: Hello, and welcome to PodCastle. I'm M.K. Hobson, and today's story is The Petrified Girl, by Katherine Sparrow. Listeners familiar with Native American mythology will likely hear tantalizing echoes of well-known tales in this story. I was reminded of the Navajo tale of ever-changing woman who married the son and went to live in the western sea on an island made of rock crystal so that her husband could visit her every evening. Her home was made of the four sacred stones, abalone, white shell, turquoise, and black jet. She bore twin sons who became heroes to the Navajo people. The twins were known as Monster Slayer and Child Born of Water. The twins traveled to their father, the son, who gave them weapons of lightning bolts to fight the dreaded monsters who were killing the New Earth people. Every place the hero twins killed a monster, it turned to stone. Legend has it that the immense Black Mesa in Navajo County, Arizona, the Stone Formation, not the fictional scientific research complex from Half-Life, is the lithified remains of one such monster. It's interesting to note that some scholars believe that the genesis of the Navajo hero twins' tales can be traced all the way back to tales of the Mayan hero twins found in the Popol Vuh. Those twins were conceived when their mother spoke with the decapitated head of their father, Hun Hunapu. The skull spat upon the maiden's hand, which caused the twins to be conceived in her womb. To make a very, very long story short, Those twins went on to piss off the lords of Xibalba, the Mayan underworld, who challenged them to a series of ball games. all of which went rather badly for the twins. They suffered decapitation, being roasted in an oven, and disembowelment at the hands of the Xibalbans. This did not stop them, however, from ultimately defeating one death and seven death, the highest lords of Xibalba, and bringing a whole new meaning to the term losing the battle but winning the war. The petrified girl has the same kind of evocative beauty found in the Navajo mythology with some of the strangeness of the Mayan, but Catherine Sparrow takes us in unique modern directions that I think you'll enjoy. Catherine has had stories in a number of small press venues and is currently looking for a home for her young adult sci-fi tales of a girl coming of age amidst alien manufactured drugs and revolution. The story is read by Marguerite Croft, a science fiction and fantasy writer who recently completed Clarion West. Her fiction has appeared in the magazine Say, What's the Combination? Enjoy the story.
2: The Petrified Girl by Catherine Sparrow. I'd been living with Betty for about a month, ever since she'd seen me spare changing outside the food conspiracy and took me in, sort of in the same way she kept a special eye out for all the broken animals. She helped out a gimp coyote and had a whole row of nesting boxes for abandoned chicks in springtime. She had picked out Ranger from all dogs at the pound due to him having three legs and a piss problem. Hell, one time she found a flat copperhead on the interstate and spent a whole evening hunting off the road looking for eggs. Found him, too. Old people got to do something, and I guess it made her happy enough. Besides, she was all alone, five years widowed. Pictures of her wife Ellen on every mantle in the house. Betty was an old butch, close to eighty, and I was a young one, just getting started. We got on all right, except when she tried to get into my business. Mostly she just let me be, but I was thinking of moving on, maybe hitching up north soon. I always get a niche to move on. Besides, Tucson was too hot in summer. It was so hot, way up into the hundred and tens, that the only refuge was in Betty's pool. We stayed out there the whole hot afternoon, and when the sun went down, it didn't even get all that much cooler. Neither of us had a stitch of clothes on as we lay submerged, lying on twin yellow plastic floatables. It was good to be naked with Betty. I could look over at her and see all the things a body could survive. She had that old desert skin that bore a million wrinkles and just hung off her. It made me feel like maybe I could survive in this world, too. Betty kept our cups of Jim Beam and Mountain Dew full all afternoon and into the night, because as she said it, it was too hot not to drink. On about midnight, the hot air was just starting to feel bearable again, but neither of us were keen on getting out. Tell me about leaving home, she said. She'd been trying to get me to talk all day. Had to get going, that's all. Your parents know where you are. How old are you, Cassie? How old are you, Betty? Old enough to get twice the respect you give me. Then tell me what it's like being an old butch. Get her to talk about herself, so she'd lay off me. Old people love talking about themselves. It was harder back then. Illegal. They could take you in just for dancing with another woman. All of it was different. She shrugged and made ripples in the water with her fingers. Had to be stronger, fight more for it. But we knew who we were, not like y'all today. I know who I am. Sure you do, pup. Out past the pool I heard a rustling. Something big. What's that? It could be about anything. She stared up at the night sky and there was something sly in her voice. Why don't you go take a look? No, it could hurt me. Not unless you spook it, scaredy cat. I left her floating and grabbed a towel to wrap around me as I went out past the adobe gate into the desert. Something was moving around behind a whole bunch of prickly pears. I walked in an arc around the cacti to get on the other side of it without getting too close. There was a whole gang of peccaries snorting around on the ground, and something bigger, too. The something stood up, and I saw it was a girl. She stood all frozen in her body as her head turned towards me, caught on me. "'What are you doing?' I asked, and took a step towards her, ready for anything. If she wanted to fight, I'd fight. The little pigs raised their ugly, tusked heads towards me. There was enough of a moon out that I could see her in a general sort of way. She had long dreadlocks, fuzzy and thick as rattlers. Plenty of them, too. She dressed like any crusty in a large t-shirt and torn-up jeans. She was scrawny but thick around the middle. I felt stupid standing in front of her in a towel, but hell, she was the one rooting around in the cacti. What are you doing? She stood there all frozen, like I hadn't said anything. Then a firefly lit up near her, then another and another, all around her head, making a bug halo around her face. I forgot all about the rest of her as soon as I saw that face. Desert dark and round, with dark eyebrows and a hawk's nose, a small worried mouth with fat lips. Eyes so big they could have taken in the whole world in one glance. But here they were, fixed on me, and everywhere, all over her, was pain as though God had only used the pain paint to make her face. I looked down, feeling funny about looking at her, like I was staring at something naked. Not just naked, but like all the skin had been peeled off. I looked back up and saw she was running up the hill towards the arroyo, barefoot and fast over the hot desert sand. You see something out there? Peccary or deer? Betty asked when I came back, a little too casually, like maybe she knew exactly what I had seen. She was out of the pool and stood on the patio wrapped in her tatty blue bathrobe. Saw something. You know what? Betty didn't answer me. So I kept quiet, too. We stared at each other with our hands on our hips, and it got to be a bit of a challenge. Two dogs eyeing each other up. I won. Betty spoke haltingly. What'd she look like? Weird. My age or thereabouts. White probably. Hard to tell. Desert burned. Maybe a little Arab in her hell of a face betty nodded her head like a tortured saint i nodded my head like she said the girl looked real impressive yeah she'd be on about seven months now she was wearing baggy clothes you think she's knocked up betty nodded i liked the girl a little bit less anyone who got caught like that was just plain stupid who is she she used to show up around here summertime but i haven't seen her for a long time There was a story while aback about a wild girl up in the petrified forest, so I expect she travels between there and here. I've never known anyone else to see her around here. Betty looked at me all angrily, just like the time I had stolen money from her wallet. She called Ranger to her and went to bed, leaving me to wonder how Betty knew she was knocked up. The next night, Betty made up a whole plate of lasagna and salad and put it out near the chunks of chuck she set out for the lame coyote, but higher up so no animals could get into it. "'Don't she got a home to feed her?' I asked. "'You leave her alone. She's doing just fine.' The next day wasn't quite so hot, so I sat out sweating in the dark and watched the stars poke out as I waited for her. I'd been looking forward to seeing her all day, not much else to do at Betty's. She came and took that plate of food and shoved it down her mouth like she hadn't eaten in days. It was dark enough that I couldn't see much of her, but I liked what I saw.' There was something raw to her. When she finished, she ran off barefoot again. How she avoided all the desert stickers, I don't know. I gave her some distance, then jogged behind her until I couldn't see her anymore and had to stop, heart racing hard. She was faster than me, even with that fat belly. She headed up toward Sweetwater Reserve. I've been homeless before, but in the desert? It didn't make much sense. All around me were some noisy, chirping insects and a nightbird hooting away. I thought about her, wondered about her, as I took my time walking home. On Tuesdays, Betty drives her old Suburban up the road to the Sonoran Desert Museum where she teaches tourists about cacti. I'd been waiting all week for her to go, because I just knew she would not approve of what I was planning. Halfway out the door, Ranger already curled up inside her car and panting, Betty turned and gave me a leveled look. It's too hot to go out in the desert during the day. I know it. She shook her head. Look in my room before you go, fool girl. She had set out white flowy pants and a shirt and a fine leather cowgirl hat. I put them all on and swaggered up and down in front of her mirror. The hat hid most of my sheared-off hair and made my face look even tougher. Any girl looking at me would have been quite pleased with the image. Betty also left me a whole backpack filled with water bottles. It was too heavy, so I emptied all but two of them out. Standing out in the driveway before I left, I spit, found some wood to touch, then spun around three times and made my wish. Wouldn't help, I suspected, but it wouldn't hurt neither. Let me find her, I asked, to no one in particular. I walked over the rise above Betty's house and then down into the arroyo, orange rock and white dust everywhere, little spots of green where a plant had the audacity to think that it could survive here, An arroyo, Betty had explained, was a small canyon that turned into a river when the rains came. Hard to imagine rain on a day like today. The sun just baked the rocks, shone so high in the sky that there wasn't any shade anywhere. I had to squint just to keep my eyes open. A flat rattlesnake lay out on a rock, expired in mid-slither by the look of him. Survival was for the tough. Lines of sweat ran down my face and arms, not getting very far before they dried up. I drank through one water as I trudged alone, leaving behind the million-dollar houses up beyond Betty's to where there was only me and the cacti. I climbed out of the royo and walked up a big hill that stood out above everything else on the edge of the Sweetwater preserve. It was only me and the ciguaros here, no one else dumb enough to be out walking midday. Ciguaros, the ones that looked like funny men with both their arms raised and a humpty dumpty head. There was a whole patch of them I passed by that were deformed. Their arms grew all corkscrewed and then dropped off, leaving black holes where they had been sticking out. With every step I took up the hill, I felt the sun sucking on my energy. A horny toad stuck its old leather head out from between two rocks, cocked its head, and scooted back and away. I wished I could crawl back with him and find some shade. At the top of the hill, I could see Olive Sweetwater and the haze of Tucson that stretched up into the sky, sitting on the earth like a predator. I looked in every direction, but didn't see that ragged girl anywhere. No sign of her. All I found was a used condom and a pair of panties tied together on a spiny bush. I began to drink my second water, just meant to take a sip, but swallowed all of it before I remembered it was all I had. I noticed my arms were shaky, and I wasn't sweating anymore. The sun was getting to me, making me feel fuzzy. Heat waves rose off the ground and shimmers, and I could feel them moving through me. Hello, I yelled out, then said it again. Hello. I sat down to rest and then laid myself out on the sand. It was burning hot, but it felt good to be still. And once I was there, it felt hard to even think about getting up. Someone poured water into my mouth. I started coughing and opened my eyes. It was her. Drink. I did, even though it had a funk to it like it had been sitting around for a long time. Come on, you can't stay out in the heat. She helped me up, then walked in front of me slowly, checking that I was following. She led me this way and that until we came to a big rock that hid a blue tarp tied to four saguaros. She had another tarp on the ground and a red sleeping bag with white fuzz that stuck out along one edge of it. There were also a whole bunch of water jugs and a pile of white stones and pink cactus root along one edge of the tarp. Nothing fancy, but kind of homey and normal. I had half expected to find her nestled up to a barrel of cactus. Who are you? I asked, pleased that she was talking to me, that I had found her, even though I felt nauseous and shaky in my body. Maida. What kind of name's that? I like it, Maida. I'm Cassie. She sat down under the tarp and gestured me towards her. It was still hot, but better underneath it. She grabbed one of the water jugs and poured some into a plastic cup. I took it from her and sat down. Why you live up here? Maida turned and looked at me, maybe a foot between us. She was hard to look at in the daytime, all that pain with no shadows to hide it. It was like Betty said, a saint's face, something crawled in her hair. A class A scorpion worked its way up her scalp, three inches long, yellow-bodied, gray-backed, scuttling up in between her thick dreads. I pointed at it and whispered, careful, before I could say anything else. She reached up and grabbed it, cupped it in her hand like it was something precious and set it down on the sand. That little old spider can't hurt me, nothing can. She smiled without anything funny on the other side of it. You can always be hurt more, I told her. She laid down on her sleeping bag and faced away from me. Let them try, let them try, she said as though she was talking to herself. It was five times too hot to touch her, but I laid down beside her and reached for her anyway. Now, oh, why else had I come all the way up here? Been too long since I'd been with a girl. I hooked my knees behind hers and put my arm over her, let it rest on her big belly. This okay? I asked. She stiffened all over at first, but then nodded her head and pushed herself back against me. I ran my hand over her belly, taut as a balloon, getting ready to burst what you got in there. Twins. It's always twins. I'm a twin too. Trouble always comes in twos. She had a way of talking like she was far away from me. I always wanted a twin sister. Someone to understand me. My sister hates me. Maida rubbed her neck. Known a few like that, I said, nodding my head. Who's the father? She didn't answer. Don't you know? I was raped in my sister's house. She said it flatly, like it was just the facts. I'll beat him up. Hunt him down if you want me to. She laughed, her belly constricting under my hand, a hollow sound as dry as the desert. He's not around anymore. I'm the only one left. But thank you, Cassie. When are you due? You got a plan for them yet? They'll come out at summer's end when the rains come. Under my hand, something kicked. She's going to be a little soccer player. He. There was no uncertainty in her. No delight, either. i dreamed them every night, tearing me up over and over. I didn't know what to say to her, so I lay beside her, sort of scared, but my hand had ideas all its own. It crawled up her belly and wandered over her big boobs, soft flesh spilling out all over the place. This still okay? She nodded again, I found a raised ridge of flesh just below her t-shirt line and made it got tense all over again. I pulled down the cloth some and raised my head to look at it. An inch thick scar ran across her neck, in front and back. It made a complete circle like someone had tried to cut her head off. I felt the urge to find the man who had done it to her and cut him back, but just held her instead. I guess she had plenty of reason for being alone up here. We stayed curled up on each other, and I didn't even try anything else. She slept some, and I looked at the stones next to the fruit. They were shells and branches that had long ago been petrified and frozen into stone. Sometimes you found things like that in the desert, and it was strange to think that they had survived without changing at all for thousands of years. The whole world changing around them, but them just sitting out in the desert, stuck as stone. It got dark out, and we walked back down to Betty's. A plate of food set out for Maida, like always, and she scarfed it down, like always. You can come in, take a shower, take a swim, at the least. She stood just in front of me. We were the same height. Pain, pain, pain. But beauty, too. She turned and ran up into the desert, an owl hooting and swooping in the sky above her. I stood outside thinking. Not ready to see Betty, to see anyone else yet. I just wanted to think about her. Not like Betty was the first girl to catch my eye, but she was special. Then again, I always thought that about girls. At first. There had been Mandy, the mud biker in Moab. Red dirt belly and arms, grease tattooed all over her calves. A wild scent to her like the dry Utah wind. Amy in forks who wore that sweet little pink diner outfit that got me to all kinds of imaginings. She was crazy about condiments, liked to put them on everything, just everything. Claire and Santa Cruz, who had piercings in the craziest places and a round baby face. She could dance all night at the blue and go home, not even smelling of cigarettes. She had long hair that got everywhere, even my teeth, like weak pieces of floss. After I left her, I kept finding her hair on me for a whole week. I got that itch to go, about the time they always got serious and wanted to talk about everything. They were so important to me when I was with them, but now I can't hardly remember any of their faces. I knew that's what would happen with Maida. I would fall under her girl spell for a while and let her make me feel all kinds of funny on the inside for a while, except there was something different about her. Like maybe I could be with her for a real long time. Never get to truly knowing her. I went inside and Betty was sitting out on her tan leather sofa, waiting up for me. She sipped on one of her drinks, looked me up and down, her blue eyes sharp against her old leather skin. You found her. That's my own business. Careful of her, Cassie. I don't need an old mother hen watching me. I'm not a kid. Not far from one either. I went out looking for her once, but I never found her. She gave me an angry look, and I could tell she was a little drunk. What do you have that I don't? She asked, as though she was my age, and we were competing for the same girl. She helped me out when I got thirsty, that's all. Betty laughed, and some of the tension between us went away. Should have tried that. Didn't even think of it. She had a plate of food for me set out next to a big coffee table book, one of her leather-bound goddess ones, and a bottle of bourbon. Sit. Let's talk she ordered. I did and set about eating almost as fast as Maida. I didn't want to talk to Betty. Hell, she was starting to get as bad as one of my girlfriends. Betty sucked on her drink and stared up at the ceiling. My daddy died young. My mother never wanted to hear about anything I wanted to tell her. She never met Ellen, wouldn't answer the door if I brought her around. She called us filth. Family can hurt you, Cassie. I nodded my head, not wanting to think about mine, but to keep my head out in the desert with Maida. You've seen her scars? One of them. Betty rubbed her own neck. My mama was nothing compared to what that girl's family was like. They weren't good to her. None of them. No one can make you hurt like family. That's why we need to stick together. Make our own kind of kinship. Maida and I took to each other like bees and honey. More often than not, I hiked up into the desert to find her. Betty always watched me go, and I couldn't tell what she was thinking about or what she thought of Maida. She just ran her raw-boned hands through her short white hair and seemed worried or thoughtful, one or the other. Maida didn't talk much, which I appreciated. We got to know each other through silence. At first I was worried she would start in on me with all kinds of talking, telling me all the bad things that had been done to her, wanting me to do the same, but she didn't. She was real quiet all the time. I didn't even know at first if she liked me or just put up with me, But once we started kissing, I knew it was good. I wasn't sure if I could lust after a pregnant girl, but it turned out I didn't have any problem doing just that. It was good between us out in the desert. All those long, hot days with the heat making our bodies slippery and no one around to hear any of the animal noises we wanted to make. I caught sight of snakes and lizards watching us from time to time, but I didn't mind. The bigger Maida's belly got, the more I couldn't think about anything else but her. One night, we walked down to Betty's, both of us exhausted. Maida ate and ran off, but I didn't mind. There were lots of weird parts about her. But hell, everyone's weird on the inside. The sky was thick color overhead, as though it had eaten something rotten and the air felt heavy. It was the first time in weeks that there were any clouds in the sky at all. Inside was a plate of food for me, and more of Betty's goddess books piled up onto each other, I flipped through them and looked at the pictures as I ate, my mind a mile away, up underneath a blue tarp and worshipping a girl goddess all my own. Wouldn't hurt you to read something, instead of just looking at all those pictures of naked women, Betty said, sneaking up behind me. You might learn something important. I don't believe in spiritual shit. Betty came around the couch and sat down next to me. She looked ragged and skinny. I felt bad, like maybe she was sick and I hadn't even noticed. Not that it was my job to take care of her. You okay? There's been something I've been meaning to talk to you about, but don't really have the words for, so how am I supposed to say it? The sky grumbled outside. I don't know. Don't say it, if you don't want to. I didn't like her tone. I didn't like how serious it sounded. She frowned and poured us two drinks, half whiskey, half sour mix, into big plastic cups. I've been seeing that girl of yours for a long time. She paused and took a long sip since I was young, before Ellen. You mean her mother, or some girl who looked like her? No, exactly her. Every year, she shows up just the same, pregnant and forlorn, then she disappears when the rain comes. She's been stuck out there, doing the same thing over and over, stuck like stone. That's crazy. Why are you saying that? You jealous of what we got between us? I started to get up, but Betty grabbed onto my forearm, I decided a long time ago that she must be a ghost. She'd never talked to me or let me get near her, but then you showed up and started touching her, so I started looking around for other explanations. I don't know why she's out in our part of the desert. Maybe there's a lot of girls like her, wandering out in the lonely places of the world. Hurt is what keeps her alive. I'm sure of it, Cassie. She's not like a normal woman. I tried to pull away from her, but the old goat was stronger than she looked. She grabbed onto one of her books marked with a dozen yellow post-its. She showed me a picture of an ugly woman with beetles covering her body, another with snake hair, and another with horns. Bullshit. Stop talking crazy, Betty. All these goddesses started out powerful, Cassie. But bad things happen to all of them. Horrible things that make you sick to read about. Your girl is trapped in it. She can't escape. It just keeps happening to her, over and over. It started raining outside, hard, hard. I rubbed my belly, so different from Maida's. Sound familiar? Betty looked at me like she expected me to believe all that crap. No. It won't matter what you believe, Cassie. You'll see. The rains are starting. There'll be nothing left of her by morning. Then, next year on the hottest day of summer, she'll show up and nothing will have changed. No. I love her. The words made me feel a little sick the second after I said them. I've never said that about a girl ever. Sure you do, pup. She's your petrified girl, all hurt and stuck, so you'll never have to show her who you really are. Get off the crazy bus, Betty. She was just trying to ruin something good. I pulled my arm free and ran out of her house. I was drenched before I'd gone five steps. Neda was caught out in the rain, and it wouldn't be good for her. The rain fell so hard it stung my skin, and I couldn't see more than five feet in front of me, By the time I got to the Arroyo, it was already running high with water and was too full to cross. I ran alongside it, all the way up to Sweetwater. The rain just kept coming down, and it was hard to even believe this was the desert. The water got wilder in the Arroyo, until it was as angry as a river as I'd ever seen. Maida, I yelled across it, even though I couldn't see much of anything on the other side. Maybe she hadn't crossed over before the rain started." Lightning flashed, silver-bright, and I saw her on the other side of the river, clutching her belly as it spasmed under her hands. She stared, helpless and scared, across the water at me, into me. Maida! An instant later, I couldn't see anything again. I heard her scream. Or maybe it was the river between us. Another flash of lightning lit the world for an instant. She was gone. I yelled out to her all night long, Even when it got so cold, I couldn't stand up for all my shivering. The rain just kept falling down onto me until it felt like there wouldn't be anything left of me but a puddle come morning. Just as the sky began to lighten in the east, the rains stopped. Around me were all kinds of new desert sounds. Frogs croaking, dragonflies and hummingbirds buzzing through the air. Everything around me seemed alive. Maida, you okay? I had no hope I would hear anything back and I didn't. Betty's stupid idea that she was gone was stuck in my head. Maida! Around the time the sun came burning up over the horizon, the water was just low enough to get across. I grabbed onto a long branch that had lodged itself across the arroyo and lowered myself onto the cold brown water. The water grabbed at my legs, and the branch was not as sturdy as I would have liked. It took about forever to get to the far side when I swung my leg up over the rim of the canyon and hauled myself out. Maida? A black snake with red diamonds down his back lay out on a rock and raised his head to look at me. Maida, where are you? I yelled and walked, pushing away the thought that she was gone. I looked in every direction, but there was nothing to see. Maida? Cassie? Her voice was weak, but not far off. I found her behind a big rock. She was nestled in sunshine with two little white things sucking at her boobs. She was naked and had blood streaked all over her belly and thighs, but still she looked real beautiful. Not far from her was a bloody mass of afterbirth, drying out in the sun. The light made kind of a halo around her, and she looked like something holy. She smiled at me, and there wasn't any pain in it, only happiness. It scared me a little. You all right? She nodded her head and looked down at the two small faces staring up at her as they pulled on her nipples. I knelt down in front of her and looked at the babies. They were perfect. Nothing bad had happened to them yet. Nothing ever will either. I silently promised to both of them, then felt like crying for no good reason at all. Girls, she said, then looked up at me. Twin girls, after all this time, something changed. I don't even know what I should call them. She laughed, real pretty-like. I put my face down close to their two faces. This one's got my nose, and this one has my eyes, I joked. But part of me felt real serious about it. They stared back at me, something ancient in those brand new faces. Something wise, like out of Betty's books. Little twin goddesses. We'll get you home soon as the water goes down. Betty will cook us up something good. She'll be glad to meet her little granddaughters, I said. Then looked at Maida to see if it was all right if Betty and I could be a part of all this. Family, Maida echoed and the word was no longer a wound inside of her. The sun shone down a little brighter on all of us.
0: Feedback for Podcastle episode number 75, Richard Parks, The Man Who carves Skulls, a story about beautifully carved skulls and not so beautiful parenting. Let's check the forums and see what you all thought, shall we? Aitan said this is ultimately a story of bad parenting. Both parents are quite happy to let the son sacrifice himself in order to satisfy their own desires, especially the mother, but it doesn't sound like the father tried to stop him or anything. I love my parents dearly and I'd do much for them, but they'd be appalled if I ever chose their happiness over my own. The way I was raised was always quite explicitly we give to you as our parents gave to us so that one day you may give to your children. I look forward to the day when I have my own children so that I can pay my debt to my parents forward. The characters' choices in the story are alien to me, far more alien than their society's treatment of the dead, which I actually found rather admirable. Jagash said, what struck me was the richness of the culture and theology in the story. It's rare to find a story in fiction that so perfectly elaborates upon a setting and the ancestor dream-worship combination appears to have been well explained. I think all the character motivations are reasonable. The mother was chosen specifically via her greed or pride, so it makes sense for those traits of personality to continue to be evident. Gia called Mr. Wilson Folly one of her favorite podcast narrators, and finally, Talia said, I was just providing feedback on your feedback, which prompted your feedback on my feedback of your feedback. But I'm not providing feedback on your feedback on my feedback of your feedback. Wow. Uh, What? Is this, like, meta on feedback? Anyone else out there confused? Well, personally, I blame a He double-dog dared me. But don't let that stop you. Come on over to our forum. That's forum singular at forum.escapeartist.net and join in on the blame game. Let us know what you think of the stories we're bringing. Don't forget about t-shirts and archive discs at poddisc.com. Until then, we'll see you next week.
2: And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Percy Bysshe Shelley said, The world's great age begins anew, the golden years return. The earth doth like a snake renew her winter weeds outworn.